Welcome to the podcast of Annihilation. I'm Greg Tito, host of Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. To celebrate the wide launch this week of the latest Dungeons & Dragons storyline, Tomb of Annihilation, we work with a cross-section of the community's favorite live-play D&D podcast to record special episodes using material from the adventure. We love highlighting the creativity of these amazing players and Dungeon Masters, and hopefully you'll find one or two new podcasts to adventure along with in the jungles of Chult. To find out more about these groups and the Tomb of Annihilation adventure, head to dnd.wizards.com POA, or check out our live video programming on twitch.tv dnd. We'll be interviewing many of these creators on Dragon Talk. Welcome to the jungle. Enjoy this adventure in Chult, brought to you by Dungeon Drunks. Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Last time on Dungeon Drunks, our heroes are in the grand city of Waterdeep. Enjoying some well-deserved downtime, exploring rumors, joining guilds, and going on shopping sprees. And that's where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren, aka Obocrazy. For those of you who might be a little new to our podcast, hello and welcome. We take a moment at the beginning to introduce ourselves and introduce whatever we are drinking, which tends to be alcoholic, and in this case for me it is. I... Not to start the cider wars again, I've got some shilling hard cider. Now, the reason I got this was, even though I've been trying to avoid all the cider fun stuff, this is called Grapefruit and Chill, which makes me happy. (laughs) J'approve. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It is hard apple cider and grapefruit juice, and it is delicious. And it comes in these gorgeous pink cans, which also make me happy. What also makes me happy is we have our first guest. Dungeon Drunks, I would like to introduce you to Nassim. She's joining us from the wonderful podcast Venture Maidens. And while she's not playing her her monk, she's playing a different character with us today. Nassim, how are you doing? What are you drinking? Hey, everybody, all you Dungeon Drunk fans. I'm so psyched to be here. Um, Yeah, I'm uh, here drinking Smirnoff Ice's Green Apple. Because nice. a friend came by yesterday and left these in our fridge. So this is what I have. And it's real sweet. Kind of tastes like a Jolly Rancher. But it does the job. So, yeah. And, there you um, go. Um, I'm playing today a, a Tiefling Rogue. Who we'll be meeting shortly. Carlton. Carlton Tanks. What are you drinking tonight? Hi, I'm John. I play your half-orc barbarian slash fighter, Carlton Tanks. And I have an iced chai from Russell's Bakery in Austin. And it is delicious. Ooh. Ooh. You're, you're going caffeinated. You're not necessarily going alcoholic. I like it. I could use some more caffeine. Uh, come Still on those overnights, and my sleep schedule is all out of whack, so I need caffeine. Don't we all? Bernie, Bernice Q. Burns, are you, do you have anything with caffeine in it? No, I actually don't have anything with caffeine, though I was eating a pint slice while we were, like, getting shit ready, and that's got chocolate in it, so that's sort of caffeine. Those fucking things are good. Uh, no, I have leftover Game <laughs> of Thrones wine. Which is basically the wine that we didn't drink after during Game of Thrones last night. So there was actually about a half a bottle left, and it all fit in my very, 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 very big wine goblet. Doctor says I can only have one a day. <laughs> Which was a gift 
to me because I'm a Wake Forest grad and it says Wake Forest on it. So it's really good for drinking wine and watching Wake Forest lose at football. And it's really good for drinking wine and watching Wake Forest lose at basketball. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sensing a theme here. You need, when you watch my alma mater play sports, about half a bottle of wine at a time. So this is kind of perfect. And all of my Pinot Noir, which is of whatever grocery store brand my friend brought over, because we're poor museum people. I thought for a second it was that actual Game of Thrones wine, because they do make something. Oh, they I think do? they make like beer or and wine as well. But uh, yeah, it's Game yep. of Thrones beer. Do they really? Yes. yes. I- There's a different one every season. But we also, last night, I found when I was like, I made lasagna and everyone came over, and I was like, I have to get wine. And I found this pretty, like, not super expensive wine in the grocery store called Girl and Dragon. And I went, ha! That's what we'll drink, but we ran out of that. (laughs) That's awesome. Because we're just drinking Pinot Noir. (laughs) I also play a gnome. That's the thing you wanted me to say. Uh, That's okay. sorry, new listeners. This is going to be a theme. (laughs) Yeah, after 80 some odd episodes, we're not used to introducing ourselves again, but th- that's okay. We'll have a chance shortly. Oh my god, that's right. We've hit 80 episodes. I would just like to point out, we had out 80 episodes and none of you fools have died, so... Thank you? I've done my job. If anybody dies from this point on, really nothing I can do. Law of Averages has finally caught up with you. <laughs> well, with that being said, Jonathan, uh, as in Jonathan the Magimuscular... What are you drinking, and are you scared of dying tonight? Uh, we'll see, maybe? Uh, this is Jonathan, <laughs> I play Jonathan the Mad Muscular. Tonight, I have uh, one of the cocktails that I have come up with. This one is a classic. It is an Up Yours Putin. It is vodka and 7-Up. I also have, uh, since uh, Jonathan the Mad Muscular is a powerful wizard who loves fireballs, I have here a shot of fireball to be consumed at the first casting of fireball. I like to dedicate these things to to people or shows. I think last week I actually did uh, dedicate mine to Venture Maidens. This week I am dedicating it to the entire community that is coming together to put together this uh, podcast of Annihilation and the Dungeon Delve feed. So everyone, Encounter Roleplay, Venture Maidens, Dungeon Drunks, all of those guys and gals and everyone who just loves D&D and uh, apparently wants to get annihilated. So cheers, everyone. Like I said, first fireball. Ooh, I cheers. Now I wish I had had you go last because that was kind of perfect. However, can't you just edit it that way? I could. You fix it in post. <laughs> we are going to go with the distinguished Travancore Viceroy of Glenmar. What are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. The Viceroy's choice this evening. Oh, by the way, my name's Jack. I play Travancore, a half-elf archer, <laughs> and the Viceroy of Glenmar. <laughs> uh, continuing my bottle of uh, Paul Masson Golden Apple. Uh, this is a cocktail of my own crafting. You start with the uh, Paul Masson Golden Apple. You throw some club soda in there. And I put, just as experiment, uh, like a teaspoon of honey. Unfortunately, you can't taste the honey, so I'm leaning towards calling this drink a disappearing beehive. Ooh. <laughs> oh, damn. Ooh, fancy. Too soon. T- little topical. You're just going to have to add more honey next time. That's all. Yeah. All right. I do want to take a moment to thank Wizards of the Coast for this opportunity to do something a little fun with stuff that, for us, hasn't even come out yet. So I'm totally excited. So thank you, Wizards of the Coast. And let's begin, shall we? Jonathan. Yo. You've only been awake for a couple of minutes when you receive a sending. Oh. And it's weird because... You've been the one doing the sending for a very long time, but this would be the first time you've ever received a sending. It's a voice you don't recognize. Mm. 
Oh. Fortunately, he introduces himself very quickly. As you are getting ready for the morning, you hear, Neonate Donathan, this is Aras Zick from the Watchful Order. I request your assistance as quickly as possible. Please bring your adventurous companions with you to the Amethyst Acropolis immediately. And you do know that you have a moment to respond if you would like. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, well, thank you very much, uh, uh, Master Zick. Uh, we will, we will, we will be right there. Thank you. Um, than the magic muscular out. I counted five us. Let's go against your word count. Are you fucking odd countering me? Yes. Oh, are we that early in How the episode? How will you get better at public speaking if we well, know? Apparently, what kind of Toastmaster would I okay, be if I didn't? I haven't been to a Toastmaster meeting in four fucking ever, so I guess this is my due. Thanks a lot, Jack. Long pauses. Long pauses, uh, filler words. All the all the filler words. Listen, speaking <laughs> of editing, I do a lot of uh removal, so that I'm not going to blame anybody for us because I uh a lot. Jonathan... You've just woken up in the inn that you guys are staying in this morning when you received this sending. And now as you gather yourself together and get ready to head downstairs and meet up with your friends, why don't you go ahead and describe what what's Jonathan's morning routine as he gets ready for the day? So Jonathan the Magimuscular, he's kind of a bro wizard. And you'd think that he'd do things like push-ups and, and squats and kind of like posing in the mirror kind of like checking out oh what's the are we at are we at 23 inches yet i don't know for his bicep but yeah i'm he, glad you added the for his bicep part for his bicep <laughs> uh, he's not jonathan the magic Ozular. anyway oh, he uh sorry. I'm he so do- sorry, actually everyone. does all that except he is assisted by his wonderful familiar bucks buxton bertram bellwether aka bucks who is in a tiny pygmy owl and he helps him out uh disney princess style so he's doing all these push-ups and things, and Bucks is kind of like fussing over him, and he's making sure his bald head is nice and shiny. He's making sure his beard is uh, nice and trimmed. He puts on his robes, one sleeveless robe at a time, uh, because he doesn't wear sleeves. Wait, 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 what? I just need to A point out you've never told any of us any of this shit before. But B, one <laughs> sleeveless robe at a time? Do you have multiple robes on? Is this like a layered popped collar kind uh, look, of thing? He, you yes, can see, it is now. Yeah, it is now apparently. <laughs> no, you can see my picture. My portrait has been in there. Like, that's how Luke drew me last time was a uh, wizard rope with no sleeves. Shades I know you have no sleeves, but I didn't know. You said not one... You said one sleeveless robe at a time, not one missing sleeve at a time. Well, you, you know mi- the phrase that, you know, you put on your pants one leg at a time. That's what I was going for. You don't put on your pants one nope, pants at a time. Newport is going to be pop collared. You done overanalyzed it now. Yeah. <laughs> there you, well, and now that means I'm as so you sorry. walk outside your in-room and, and you turn to see uh, Bernice Q. Burns, who's also stepping out to get ready for the day, and she's complimenting you or commenting at least on your multiple popped collars bernie what's what does your gnome look like as she comes out and sees jonathan standing there looking hurried but still fabulous well bernie's not dressed yet is bernie naked no she's wearing a bathrobe (laughs) it's got sleeves she's usually not awake when everyone else is awake for a very very tiny creature she sure as hell takes up a lot of whatever kind of bed she's in (laughs) <laughs> usually someone wakes her up, and usually it's uh, met with a surprisingly well-aimed pillow to the face, despite the fact that her face is usually under another pillow. 
But what is Bernie? She, she, like, in ends like this, usually there's, like, one bathroom at the end of the hall. So she's just walking that way and yawning and her hair is, like, out at all ends. And she looks probably as, like, like, if you had an image of, like, this is a godly person, she looks not like that at all. The exact She looks disheveled. She's got, like, a toothbrush in one hand. And she's like, oh, Jonathan, you changed your look. Okay, that's a thing. Um, Just doubling down on that image. And she's going to go brush her teeth. And then she's going to put on her, her, like, leggings and her, like, under tunic and her really beautiful, beautiful, like, armor that's scale mail style. But instead of scales, it's all in the shape of uh, little bee wings for her queen. And she's being followed around by a very large mastiff. Which is also looking very disheveled. What you don't know is that Bernie brushes Coco Snoot every single morning. She takes very good care of that dog. Uh, Jonathan, as you head downstairs, you can see Travancore is sitting in the main room of this inn. He is flanked by his giant bear. And Travancore, uh, what do you look like as you have some breakfast? Well, the Viceroy of Glenmar, uh, ever balancing his, uh, his noble upbringing with his uh, calling as a ranger, is always neat but but functional, wearing a, uh, a tunic with a green t- – it's a green tunic with uh, with a cape and a hood. And recently, Travancore started growing a beard, which for half-elves isn't necessarily the most common thing in the world, but he's very proud of the progress he's made on the aforementioned beard so far. And as always, uh, behind Travancore is his quiver of magic arrows. And next to you, on the floor, seated in the uh, proper begging but trying not to beg position, is your black bear shadow, who every time you grab a piece of bacon, go just salivates just a little bit. <laughs> and Jonathan, from behind you, you can hear Carlton approaching as he is obviously... <laughs> or no, he's actually, I guess, still <laughs> sleeping in his room. Or he's sleepwalking, I'm not sure. Was that, was that you sleepwalking, Carlton? Are you still no, that asleep? was me snoring. Because okay. Carlton right. passes out like a log, but is uh, half orc, kind of bulky, uh, but not in the very fit sense. But he, he's he's stocky, and he is just sprawled out, completely on top of the bed, drooling, deep, deep slumber. But is aroused to wake from the smells of bacon, uh, and he quickly kind of puts his clothes on, and he's looking. He's like loincloth pants, loincloth pants, loincloth pants. And from the bathroom, he hears pants, always pants. As he's remembering the time that he needed to put something in his pocket and wasn't wearing pants and had to go in the natural way, he decides on pants. Straps on his great axe and halberd and makes his way down to consume all the bacon. All right, Jonathan, you see your friends. Uh, hey, guys. Good morning. And we have a job, apparently. Is that job bacon? Well, okay. The precursor to job is bacon. But we have to go to the Amethyst Acropolis uh, ASAP. So consume bacon quickly. And I cast haste on Carlton in order for him to consume <laughs> bacon, bacon much more quickly. Yes, I'm blowing one of my third level spells. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, so I like I start getting the, like the jitters, and I just like start shoveling bacon into my mouth, both hands pawing. Bernie just sighs, and she's like, "This is why we can't have nice breakfasts together." The rest of you are kind of used to having to wait for Carlton to have four or five servings of everything, but thanks to Jonathan hastes Jonathan's haste spell. You're already at the same time, despite the fact that Carlton has probably eaten a small cow. I feel my blood pressure rising. <laughs> Do you guys want to head to the Amethyst Acropolis? Well, like, Bernie's, like, sitting there. She's, like, got a mug of tea that she's just decided she's going to steal, apparently. Because she's, like, hasn't had any caffeine yet. And she's just, like, staring at him. And I was like, you never, you never, t- is it paid? Uh, I don't know yet. But 
he is one of the guild masters that I have to kind of impress. So he's never asked for you guys before. It's always been, hey, what can I do for the guild? But he's never, and I've mentioned you guys, but he's never actually said, why don't you bring your friends in? This is the first time for that. Is it made out of real amethyst? It might be. Or is it like those things you get that are like plated and it turns your finger green? Well, tell you what, when we get to the Amethyst Acropolis, you can touch it and find out. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to. Let's oh, go. You can't lick it and make it yours, though. It already belongs to someone. <laughs> Fuck, that was actually my- <laughs> I'm in your head. I'm, I'm in your head. Lie. Like, that was just like the thing I was going to do. I was just like, well, Bernie will lick it. And It's not like we know our friends in our party I'm at sorry. this point. I'm yeah, I know, right? <laughs> You guys wind your way through the streets of Waterdeep. It's still fairly early in the morning, so it's pretty easy to get to the front op- offices of the Amethyst Acropolis, which are also purple. And Bernie, when you go to touch the sides of the walls, go ahead and give me an investigation check. Can I lick it? Like, let's just say she licks it because she realizes she was going to touch it, but... She realizes it's really important that she makes some sort of impression, not necessarily a good one on these people. Now she has to, because he told you not to. Yeah, Ex- pretty that much. too, it's one of those, like, she got a natural 20 for <laughs> Drink. Drink. It tastes like success. Wow. Drink. Well. So Bernie licks it. She's like, this ain't real. And she just, like, takes a big old lick, hopefully, like, with people watching. You know when yeah. combat breaks out, it's going to be all ones. <laughs> you are yeah. so dexterous in your licking of the side of this building that no one can stop you. And you think you're doing it just for fun, but surprisingly enough, getting that close with your face and your tongue, you're able to examine the side of this wall really, really well. And not only is it highly charged with all kinds of protection magic, yeah, there's there's actual amethyst in there. It's not completely made out of amethyst. It's not like millions of dollars worth of precious stones. But yeah, you think you think there really is some something to be said for the amethyst acropolis being made out of the stone that it is named for. Interesting. It is mine now, though. Is it? <laughs> well, you'll have to talk with some of the people in the watchful order. Who, surprisingly enough, Jonathan, when you lead your friends on into the outer area, you're used to seeing some of the official people, and then basically winding your way into the back to teleport up into the tower. The front office is empty except for Aras Zik who you've only ever spoken to in tiny little bits and walked past a bunch of times. You certainly don't have a familiar relationship with him. Aras, for the, the rest of you, you see a very large Aarakocra. You're you're used to Soria and some of the smaller Aarakocra that you've seen that are maybe only about five feet. This gentleman is a good six and a half feet tall. His wings are folded along his back and they are resplendent in a multitude of colors. Soria was always kind of a brownish red, but this Aarakocra is almost peacock-like. And to heighten that, he's drawn symbols on his face and his beak. And as he sees you... He nods to all of you and looks at you, Jonathan, and says, I am glad that you are here. Quickly, please, follow me. Stay close. And he starts to walk towards the back. And you, do you guys follow? I follow. Yeah, as yep. we're following, I'm like, sure, Excuse me, why do not? you know my friend Soria? Carlton, Carlton, that's racist. What? I feel like 
Casual Fantasy Racism is going to be one of the cards in our inevitable Cards Against Humanity uh, deck for, for Dungeon Drunks podcast. That is definition <laughs> casual fantasy race. Carl, not all air cokers know one. Do you know every orc in existence? As Erasmus, you threw a set of doors into a hallway that Jonathan, you recognize, is leading towards the teleportation circle to bring you up into the watchful order of Magus and Protectors. He hears Carlton's question and Bernie like, nah, 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 nah. and he gives a, a little chuckle, which <laughs> turns towards you guys as he goes to open the door and says, well, I would not normally recommend that you ask people if they know everyone from their own race. In this case, I do know Soria. Oh my god. There are not oh many Aarakocra in this land. See, that's what I thought. Like, I remember Soria saying that she was one of a few, and that's why we didn't understand what she said bird stuff. As it is my job as the communications and teleportations manager here, it is one of my duties both to this organization and to my tribe to keep in touch with her. That is why I felt comfortable in contacting you on this matter. Can you give her our regards? The next time I speak to her, absolutely. Thank and he you. motions for you all to stand on the teleportation circle. Don't worry, it's totally a to teleportation circle and not a disintegrator. I think. Is this the disintegrator? I can't remember. I was not questioning it at all until <laughs> yeah. you said that. And now yeah. like, you're like, it's not a disintegrator. I pull my foot back. I mean... Jonathan, before you said anything, I, the most I was worried about that my armor would be a different color on the other side. <laughs> now you just have to worry about annihilation. Dying. Wait, <laughs> wait, like what if it's like that scene in The Fly where we all become one creature? I call the head. Aras eyes and says, please just step on the teleportation circle. We do not have much time. Oh. And he steps on. All right. All right. We step on. Yeah, we she step on. Fun. There's a flash of light, and you guys are teleported into, for Jonathan, a rather familiar room. This is the large hub of teleportation circles that the Watchful Order maintains. This is usually the room that you see Aras Zik. He's usually stationed here, watching the comings and goings of people. Uh, but today, there's someone different. Today, as you guys arrive, there is a, a tiefling standing there, looking like she's been waiting for a little while. Nassim, would you like to describe yourself and what you've been doing for the last five minutes as everybody teleports up? Oh, she's just been sitting there silently, not really uh, paying much mind, though she is, of course, listening. She's she's tall and uh, like five five eight probably, and quite slender, and wearing very tight fitted leather armor with studs but the studs have been like painted black and very very kind of like rock and roll studs like you know the spiky studs like that <laughs> don't come near her and uh she's just been silently crossed her arms leaning back against a pillar taking in i feel like you're gonna be a bad influence on me yeah <laughs> bernie looks up at carlton and goes you want to ask her if she knows dorveen like, i'm just happy to be fighting <laughs> alongside joan jet you know no because there's a lot more tieflings than bird people uh, her armor reminds me of a song. I, I see a set of uh, studded leather and I want to paint it black. Mm. <laughs> hey, there you go. She heard oh. that song and she got inspired and that's when she painted <laughs> nice. her armor. As you guys have this moment, Aras says, Jonathan, you and your fortune hunters were not the only person that I contacted. This is Rihanna. She is going to go on the same journey as you are. If you are all interested in aiding my tribe. 
Oh, your tribe is in trouble. Oh, oh. yes. Personal. I am from a tribe far from here in Chult, and my the leader of my tribe very rarely comes to contact me, except in the most direst of emergencies. And this morning I received a summons, but the summons was not for me, but for any non-Aracocra that I might know that would be interested in going and retrieving something for them. I do not have many details. All I know is that she needs someone outside the tribe, and she asked if I had anyone who I trust. Rihanna has been a friend for a while, and I have heard many good things from Soria about the rest of you. I don't have anyone else to send with you, and I hope you are enough if you are willing to go. Well, Master Zick, I would love to be able to help this Chult place. Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular wants to try and remember what he knows about Chult. Yeah, give me a history check. Bernie wants to ask him why he doesn't have any friends. Wow. (laughs) My job here in the Watchful Order is to be a messenger and a facilitator of transport, and it does not allow for much in the way of my former adventuring existence. Mm. Well, while Jack doesn't... Mm. Well, Jack understands probably the sincerity of this request. He's, Travancore might not. He wants to roll an insight check on this fellow. Sure. To ascertain his motives. So while you roll an insight check, Jonathan, what'd you get for your history? Uh, 14. You have heard of Chult. You've heard that it's recently become someplace that a lot of people have been exploring, um, especially people in Baldur's Gate and Waterdeep sending just fleets of ships out to explore the the jungles that are there. They are rumored to be rich in priceless artifacts and treasures from before the spell plague, but it also is considered an incredibly dangerous place, and it is far, far to the south. Well, I kind of wish I hadn't blown that uh, third level spell as uh, <laughs> as I clutch as I clutch the uh, pearl of power and recover that spell slot. Travancore, what did you get on your insight? Uh, 20, but soft. Fortunately, because of all the time that you've had with Soria, you've learned a little bit about the mannerisms of Aarakocra, and so you feel very confident that this is a sincere request. And you almost feel that he's a little embarrassed to be asking, especially in the moment where he says that they've requested not Aarakocra to help. That feels like an admission that he is only giving to you for honesty's sake. So, yeah, you kind of feel like he's he's being straight up. Okay, that's figured as much. Have your friends to the south made any mention of payment before we hit the road? While I don't have any specifics for payment, I have no doubt Ying Matona would be more than happy to compensate you richly were you to aid her. She is generous to those that prove to be friends. I like the cut of your jib. What was the leader's name again? Her name is... Ying Matona. She will be the one that will greet you if you agree to go. I will be sending you directly to her. Um, yes, why are we going there again? Bernie was, like, not paying attention for a little while. Oh, yes, she do. <laughs> the tribe there uh, requires some assistance, and we are going to, to help them out. Uh, they need non-Aracocra for some reason, and we came recommended. Ah. Dude seems legit. I say we go. And Rihanna here is coming along with us. Yeah. Hi, Riri. Did I call you Riri? Of course you can, my dear. 
Oh, thanks. Before we before we gear, gear up to go, she puts an arm around Eris and be like, it's okay, old friend. We'll take care of the things you can't this time. But in a joking <laughs> manner, just to be Damn. playful. Damn. I like her. That shade, yo. He makes it a point to try to respond to your joke. He, he's like, yeah, no, I under I understand. But you can kind of tell he's he's really worried. This this is he's worried. Huh. He's putting on a brave beak face for you. (laughs) What does that even look like? I don't know. I don't have a beak. You'll have to use your imagination. I'm thinking about the time we owned chickens and they never really expressed any facial expressions. Well, that's because Aarakocra have a much higher intelligence than chickens. Eris points to another teleportation circle on the far side of the room and says, I I hate to send you as quickly as you have arrived, but I believe time is short, so please. All right. Yes, we're going, but one question. Do any of these circles lead back to Greenest? Greenest? No. However, that is a place I am familiar with. And certainly, if I ever needed to send you there, that can happen. So, right. like, we help you out now, you help us out in the future. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Let's go. <laughs> I'm doing this for you, buddy. Carl, never let it be said that Carlton, if not a good wingman, is an enthusiastic one. It's true. <laughs> I, I step into the circle. Excellent. I follow. Uh, Aras actually says, considering Jonathan has just joined our ranks, his level is not high enough to have full and complete access to my services. That being said, this is a task that is more a personal request than something on behalf of the Watchful Order. No shit. completing it would be of great personal interest, and I would certainly be in a position to aid you in the future. And these teleportation circles are not the only power at my disposal. All right, that's, that's a good enough answer for me. And he gives you a little bit of a bow. And as you all step onto the circle, he speaks some arcane words. And there is the familiar flash as you are spirited away. The last couple times you've been teleported have been relatively quick jaunts. A dozen, a hundred miles or so. This is a palpable second before you appear, which in teleportation time is a lot of time. And the instant you reappear, the atmosphere drastically changes. As you see the landscape for the first time, you're hit with this wall of heat and humidity that Uh. is surprisingly oppressive considering you just came from Waterdeep and it is winter there. So obviously, this is not just far south, it's far south enough to be hot and muggy. And you are standing only a few feet away from what looks like the drop off of a cliff. It is, for a a brief second, horrifying until you realize, no, you're on solid ground. But the vista before you is magnificent. There is a deep emerald green, huge tropical forest before you as far as the eye can see you can almost see the wisps of clouds in the air just rising as steam off of some of the trees and it is magnificent in the morning sun coming on in you only have a moment or two to really appreciate this drastic change in landscape before behind you you hear someone clear their throat and as you turn around, you see a couple of Aarakocra standing there. 
nowhere near as tall as a rask, but all in the peacocked, multicolored, feathered of obviously his tribe with the same interestingly blue painted on symbols. And the one that has cleared her throat steps forward a little slower than the others and says, Ah, you must be the fortune hunters that Aras said he would send. You must be Ying Manitoba. I see I have been introduced. Yes, I am Ying Matona. I am the leader of this group. I am sorry to bring you here on such short notice, but we do not have much time. Please follow me. And she turns kind of unceremoniously and is led off by these couple Aarakocra just a little bit away. And now that you've turned around, you can see that the reason that you guys appeared on the edge of a cliff is because this entire encampment is on the edge of a cliff. You see large wooden platforms leading crisscross style up this cliff face and dug into the side of this mountain is homes, for the lack of a better term. You see there are doors and windows. You see Aarakocra flying in and out, coming down off of impossible heights to swoop into doorways. You see others using some of the ramps before then jumping into the air and soaring off into the distance. They're flying around everywhere. And as you are led by Ying Matona and her guards, essentially, into one of these houses, it's it's a little bit surreal to see just how many of them there are. I like them. They live on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> Very literally. Oh my god. Since landing oh. here in Chult, I've immediately regretted my pants decision over loincloth. Yeah. So I take my hand axes and I cut my pants into shorts. <laughs> shorts. Oh, oh nice. I... No. All right. So I'm mark off your cut-offs. pants and mark that they're now shorts. I and will. we're going to have to buy you more pants when we get back from Bernie is like a tiny, Bernie is a gnome. Bernie is a rock gnome. I'm not saying that this has happened in real life more than once, but it's (laughs) happened in real life more than once. I'm currently wearing a cutoff. Bernie's not best pleased with any of this height shit. I I take off my uh, my very heavy winter cloak and put it in my uh, my pack. And thinking to say to response to Rihanna that that comment's a bit on the beak, but realizing the moment has passed, he keeps it to himself instead. (laughs) (laughs) Dad jokes. We got the dad jokes. You guys are led inside a large interior room, which now that you're out of the sun, cuts down on the heat tremendously. It's still very, very warm, but it's nowhere near as oppressive as it was in the bright morning sun. There are a couple of very simple uh, chairs and a few stools set out. Ying Matona eases herself into a stool flanked by two of her, her guards and says, please sit. I will... Try to make this as simple and easy as possible. I sit. Sure. As you guys sit down, Coco Snoot and Bucks and Shadow are all a little nervous and trying to find their own places to be. The Aarakocra don't seem to be paying any mind to all these extra animals. And Ying Matona says, We have recently suffered an attack from gargoyles, which is in and itself not very new. We are constantly fending those beasts off, mostly successfully, but recently, as in last night, there was an attack and they stole something from us, which is very, very important. And I need you to retrieve it for us, as it is a place 
that my Arakukra cannot go. And from behind you, you hear a young woman speak up, and you hear her say, And I will be coming with you. And you turn around and you see the first human that you've seen since arriving. Everybody else here has been Arakokra of some sort. This is a young woman, seems to be about 15, wearing very a very simple dress. She's got uh, what looks like a mound of tight curly hair that has been very quickly tied up into kind of a messy bun. She is holding on to a pack and has a very regal expression on her face. face and she says, It is my fault that this is missing? And so I will be coming with you. Ying Matona glances up and around you and says, Waxonary, no, I told you to stay in your room with your brother. There is no more need for you to put yourself in danger. They glare at each other for a second. And then Ying Matona says, My apologies. The princess, Waxonary, the charge of my tribe. And she points at you and says, The fortune hunters that Aras has sent to us. Ying Matona looks back at this young lady and says, And now you can go back to your room. I don't know if Fortune Hunter sounds better or worse than God Pawn. I was just thinking the same thing. None of our names sound good. (laughs) I I, I think Fortune Hunter sounds a bit better. It's a more positive connotation. God Pawn is kind of like City Slicker, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the thing is, it's like we are in the jungle, so this is a very, like, I I saw a play once, uh, Indiana Jones, and he, he did lots of shit in the jungle. This is very much like that. Very Romancing the Stone. Another play. Kind of shitty. Mwaksanari speaks up at this point and says, I have heard that you might prefer fate changers, that the principalities of Waterdeep and Baldur's Gate would prefer those terms. Whichever you would prefer, I am coming with you. This is my ring and my fault, and it would be irresponsible of any ruler to make her people go do something that she was not prepared to do herself. Mm. I'm sorry, sweetie, but have your parents signed a permission slip for that? My parents have been dead for many years, and they no longer have a dominion over me and my choices. Orphans. Why do orphans always have so much to prove? I don't know. And or guardian. I believe the lady that's currently your guardian has not signed off on the permission slip. And given that you are, um, 12, um, I'm not sure if I can be responsible. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. 15. That's great. You're, you're a fifth of the way through the average human lifespan, but that's okay. Look, here's the deal, sweetie. You're like a princess. I don't really want to be- I am a princess. I'm not like a princess. Yeah, She's a young woman. I think she can handle herself. I think that you are right. And she holds out her hand and you hear her say some arcane words under her breath and a, a, a shadowy figure appears, moves into the room and picks up a cup. And Ying Matona says, Mox Henry, stop that. You will not use your warlock powers here in this space now. And the shadowy figure disintegrates and Mox Henry looks tired, but still defiant. And Bertie walks over and picks up the same cup and says, congratulations, magic is great. If you die, does your entire, like, dynasty end, or do you have a brother that can take over for you? I have a brother, but he is only six. Oh, this is gonna be so much fun. Well, they'll call him the Boy King. Let's get going. <laughs> Jonathan the Magic Muscular kind of turns to Bucks and is like, wow, we're real, really filling out the party here. Two Arcanists. Huh. 
Who, mm. who would have known? All right. Yeah, let's let's do this. Ying Matona holds up a hand and says, no, no, she will not be going with you. Wait, but she's 15, so she's probably just going to sneak out as soon as we leave anyway. So why not just save us a bunch of time and just let her come with her? We're we're fate changers. We're able to protect her. I, I don't mind any extra help. Like, I'm absolving myself of responsibility for her death, but if she wants to come, that's fine. Because this girl's going to die nodding up a rope and trying to jump out her window anyway. We have protected her here in Kersabal. We managed to protect her from the gargoyles that came, and it was only because she decided to leave her room and try to assist in the attack that she lost her ring in the first place. And I am not going to send a child with you who can barely cast Unseen Servant and make it unseen. Oh, shit. But if Kiddo sneaks out and joins our group, you pay us double, because we have to protect her, too. So let's see how well you keep her way out of our party. Mwaxanari smiles at you, Travancore, and says, I think that is an excellent idea. I think proving myself would be an excellent way to show that I am, I am worthy. I will accept your challenge, and I will pay you double if and when you bring me and my ring back. So, all right. So this ring, if you're not coming with us, Wink, then... What does this ring look like, since you will not be accompanying us at all? And we wink. should know what we're looking for. Wink. Wink. Lots of winks. Mwaxanari and Ying Matona share a, a, a look, and Ying Matona nods to her. And Mwaxanari says, This is the only proof that I currently have of my right to rule Chult. It is the only thing still left from when... My father died. So they won't call him the boy king. It is a small gold band with a red stone in the middle. It is slightly magical, so it might be easy to find. It will also be in the clutches of a disgusting earthen gargoyle. And if you bring me its claw, the one that took it from my hand, I will also pay you extra for that. And Ying Matona sighs and says, we know where the gargoyle has fled to, and we are fairly sure that it is still in the cave that it has dove into. But my Arakokra are not accustomed to fighting underground in tight, confined spaces. And I fear that even with larger numbers, this beast will be able to avoid and evade them as we are not good underground. And she flares out her wings, which despite her obvious age, they are still strong and huge. And she says, I will give you the power to get there quickly, but I need you to dive into Needle's bones and get back her ring. When it is time for Mwaxanari to once again take rule of this land, we need some proof of her royalty, and this is all we have left. With such an inviting name, how could we refuse? Needles and <laughs> Mwaxanari says, Needles Bones was the name of a green dragon that died many, many years ago. And she kind of points down and out into the jungle from behind where you guys are. That is all that is left of its lair. This beast has decided to go and hide itself there. And as far as we know, that is the only entrance in. So if you are quick, and if you kill it quickly, there should be no problem retrieving my ring. Hmm. 
None at all. Let's go. Let's, let's do it quickly then. All right. Yeah. Let's go. Let's get this party started. If there are no other questions, I will make sure you can get there quickly. Has the dragon that has been long dead, has there any been rumblings of it not lo- being dead any longer? Because we've encountered that shit before, and it's not fun. Yeah. I understand your caution, but this dragon, the reason that Needle's Bones is the name of this cave is it was killed inside of its own lair, and the sinkhole you must go into is covered in its ribcage. There is no doubt in my mind. There are dangers inside of this, but a green dragon is not one of them. All right, it's totally coming back to life to kill us, but let's go anyway. (laughs) All right. That's the spirit. She asks you to stand and stand close together, and she says, I can give you the power of flight for (gasps) three days. Wow. But I believe I can fly. It is something I am unsure if your animal companions who are not used to flying will be good at. And she specifically looks at Shadow and Coco Snoot. Coco Snoot's got this. What are you talking about? Don't insult my dog. And she asks you, she says, I can include them if you desire, or if you would like to leave them here. That is up to you. Shadow's pretty good at killing things. Worst case scenario, I hold his paw and I think to myself, can you read my mind? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're going to pass by that quick. Yes, we are. Coco Snoot. <laughs> Um, Coco Snoot, I think Coco Snoot will stay here. Coco Snoot doesn't actually add to the killing of things. Okay. Coco Snoot's gonna hang around with the birds and, um, use, use the, develop his self-control skill for not chasing them. Okay. You give the correct command and Coco Snoot is very happy to trot on over. Actually, t- he first goes to the nearest Aarakocra, who gives him a little bit of a scratch behind the ear. And then the Aarakocra gives him... Like a little bit of a, eh, all right, go on. And Coco Snoot trots on over to Mwaxanari, who spends all of five seconds trying not to coo over Coco Snoot before immediately she's on her knees. Is just like, oh, you such a good dog. <laughs> oh, you such a-. And Coco Snoot takes this all in with kind of that goofy grin of his. And she is scratching him behind the ear and on the butt and everywhere. She says, take better care of my dog than you did that ring. Damn! Oh, that's Damn. Travancore laughing like that, not Jack. Travancore specifically hears that and it tickles him pink. You have my word. He will be safe. Okay. As the rest of you gather towards the center of this room, Ying Matona starts to chant in a low voice in words that you don't recognize as she starts to dance around you. Her wings flared once again, her bird feet stepping in a strange off-kilter rhythm that none of you kind of recognize. The arrow cooker that are with her, the two guards flank her, mirroring her movements. And as they dance around you in this intricate display, after she completes an entire counterclockwise circle and stops with a loud ah! her wings vanish. And you're all startled by this for a second because they are just gone from her body. And then you feel the lightness as it's very easy for you to just float above the ground if you want. And for the next three days, you guys have 30 feet of flying speed. Jonathan the Magimuscular, having recently turned himself into an owl via polymorph, immediately flies up 
does it like a little loop-de-loop and comes back down. It's like, guys, we're going to have so much fun. Oh, my God. Bucks gives you an approving thought that uh, you're doing a much better job of flying as a human than you did as an owl. Travancore, you look over at Shadow, who has started to lift off the ground, who is both disturbed and excited by this. He's and he's like kind of trying to paw at the ground and then he sinks himself back down and then he gives you a very weird look like, huh? Uh, You're taking a break from being a fire bear for a little bit. You're going to be an air bear. Roll a persuasion check. Detective Travancore persuades. On your own bear. 25, but friends, that's a natural 20. (laughs) Nice. Everybody drink. You're so confident in the abilities of your companion that Shadow can't even resist being as confident as you are. And immediately, (laughs) like a Macy's Day Parade balloon, is floating through the air without a care. Nice. Uh, Rihanna, how, how are you handling the air? Brianna, she she doesn't like it very much, but she's still trying to like keep her cool because she doesn't know these people. <laughs> so she's just like, oh, oh, I've done this before. Yeah, this is normal. <laughs> <laughs> all right, as you guys kind of all get your your air legs, as it were. None of you have grown wings. You just basically now have been cast, had fly cast upon you for the next three days. Ying Matona gives some orders to the guards next to her who immediately swoop out of the room and hover just outside above the cliff. And she says, follow my men. They will take you to Needle's Bones. It is a short fly from here. And there you will find the beast that has taken my ring. Go, go quickly and be safe. I have a feeling I'm going to fly too close to the sun. Uh, You can try to go up if you really want to. All right, you guys swoop out of Kir Sabal over the jungles following these two Arakokra. For a good five, ten minutes, you guys just fly over the trees. You can see the endless jungle stretching out before you, and it's, it's gorgeous. And it's hot and it's oppressive and you get the sense from the clusters of of vines and just how dark everything looks under the canopy that maybe it's a good thing you guys were flying there and not having to walk. Eventually, the tree line breaks into a wide sinkhole in the ground, 90 feet across, diving deep into the earth, easily deeper than even those of you with dark vision can see. You also do see there are three Arakokra doing lazy circles around this sinkhole. They call to one another in a... Do any of you speak Orin? Nope. Nope, they call to each other in a language none of you understand. And then one of the Aarakocra uh, that has been leading you pauses for a second just on the lip of where the sinkhole begins and says, There has been no sign of the gargoyle, so it appears that you are that you are safe to go down. He must still be there. And it motions for you to go. Go, go, go! Rihanna swoops down first. She's ready to be Whoosh. underground. Oh, not before me! Shoosh! <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan the Muscular races after with Bucks. Okay. And the rest of you are following? Yeah. Yes. yes. You guys swoop down. Rihanna just barely in the lead over Jonathan, who swooped after her. Very quickly overtaken by Bucks, your tiny little pygmy owl, who you guys have a fly speed of, what was it, 30 feet? His is much more than that. So as the two of you are like racing and, and circling down through the sinkhole, Bucks just kind of lazily passes you, like uh, two imports being passed by an American muscle car. So, it's kind so of- Bucks is flying along, 
and he kind of gives, uh, he's flying along and he gives Rihanna a side eye. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little owl nod as he, as he kind of like flies by. And then he does one of these. He does, whoosh, he like flies on his back a little bit. He's, he's showing off a little to the, he's showing off to the new person. I'm pretty sure I heard a hoot that sounds suspiciously in celestial, like not bad for a rookie. <laughs> he's too cute. He is very cute and very fast. You guys spiral your way down through this sinkhole and you can see now that while the vast majority of the walls are dirt and moss and all kinds of other roots gnarled over on themselves there's also at regular intervals bleached white bone in semicircles like you're flying through a gigantic rib cage as you descend into the earth and eventually, as you get to about 80, 90 feet down into this sinkhole, you see water on the bottom and what looks like stone walls on two of the sides, kind of uh, in this circular ribcage area. You see kind of a stone wall to the north and a stone wall to the south. And as you land, the, the water is it's about two and a half, three feet deep. It's, it's pretty deep. Bernie, it's it's really deep, especially for it's you. It's like at my chin. I'm like, oh, oh, Yeah, you kind of land and then realize and then just float above the water for a little bit. Uh, and you don't currently see anything. Mm, I want to mm-hmm. offer to Bernie and be like, hey, little one, do you want to sit on my shoulders? Oh, I've got I've got a ride for that, actually. Carlton usually does that. But if you're if your game sure thing. Oh, yes. In this cave, if Bernie's on my shoulders, is she hitting stalactites? Yeah, T- both of them are pretty tall, right? Oh, tights yeah. are down, right? Or stalactites are up. Stalactites is an M like mountain. At the moment, though, you guys are just at the bottom of a gigantic sinkhole. Literally, if you look up, it is 80 to 90 feet of circular nothing up until you can see the sky above you. All right, Bernie's going to climb on up on uh, Riri's shoulders. And she's gonna be like, I tell you what, flying is kind of the worst, so I'll I'll do anything to just like avoid floating around like a weirdo. I agree. So where are we going? Uh, down, right? Down. You've reached the bottom, as far as you can see. There is on the there's about three feet of water on the bottom, and there are these. There's some stone. You've reached far enough down that you've obviously reached bits of stone besides the dirt. You don't currently see any other way to go. I want to see if I can track one of these gargoyles. Both me and Shadow. Sure. Like, head in a gargoyle gargoyle-wordly direction. That was ungainly and unbe- unbecoming a viceroy. That, that was, but I'll give you props for trying. Okay. Um, go ahead and roll a survival check to see if you can see any track Ooh, or I- any indication of anything. All right. 23. Is that for you or for Shadow, or you just want to roll for you? Uh, just roll for me for now, so that's for me. Okay. It's a little hard to see anything... In the water, the stagnant water has a, a weird smell to it. There's silt on the bottom. You see little fish coming here and there, really tiny fish. And as you look around, you don't see any, there's no really tracks to see, but you do notice some scratches on the north wall. As I said, there's kind of a, a northern stone section and a southern stone section. On the northern stone section, you notice some scratches that yeah, those are gargoyle scratches. And as you approach the wall, you can see that this wall itself is 
scratched by not just gargoyles. There seems to be larger gashes and what look like ancient claw marks into this thing. And you can see even without really examining it too closely that all around this stone, the reason that it is as visible as it is, despite the fact that you guys are so low into the earth and everything else seems to be covered in moss and dirt, this stone is completely cleared because all along the edges, it looks like the plants are withered and brown. Hmm. Can I investigate the wall? Sure. Give me an investigation check. And the withering that we see, does it look similar to what we experienced in the Crypt Garden? No, huh, that seemed God. to be that seemed to be a diseased sort of thing, and okay. that it doesn't look the same. I am a little bit relieved. Yeah, different kind of danger. Rihanna, what'd you get? Twenty-one. Yeah. So as Travancore points this out, you examine those those plants. Something about those plants makes you want to take a, a closer look. These plants are suffering from being poisoned, hmm. repeatedly poisoned, and you know that. The vines and the roots in this area, they, they're pretty hardy. And this dragon has been dead, apparently, for long enough that you can see bleached white bones. But something is poisoning these plants on a regular basis. I want to take some of the, the leaves, uh, and fo- foliage, whatever, foliage, I'm saying the word wrong, from the plant and, and store them in my bag of holding. Yeah, sure. You grab a couple of them. Um, they they have kind of a, a sickly smell, and you stuff them in your bag. Mm-hmm. We got one of those too. A bag? Yeah, a bag of holding. We also have we also have a pillowcase for stealing shit, and you better believe Bernie <laughs> brought that with her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can get some exotic shit down here. I know. Two of you are currently examining the stone wall. Oh, uh, and you're you're getting a bit wet. In the water, which smells bad, but I guess know. I'm examining it too, being on being on Riri's shoulders. You notice anything up there? I guess I should do an investigation check. Well, considering we've already had a couple, is there anything in specific you'd like to look for? Um, Bernie feels like this is gonna be like an Indiana Jones, like put your hand on the wall and the wall moves kind of situation. So you're looking for basically a, a secret entrance, secret kind of thing? entrance. All right, roll She's that not investigation gonna lick anything, check. given that Riri just told her it's all poisoned. That's an eleven. You don't see any obvious ways of opening up any kind of secret door, but you do know that dragons—they are sneaky and devious—and it wouldn't surprise you if there's a hidden door here somewhere. But now these kind of doors are not your forte. I'm gonna search in the water. Like on the ground, like like a trap secret door, like that's under the stagnant water, because I see these guys looking at walls, like no, no, no. I'm like, what? If, what if it goes down? <sighs> All right, go ahead and uh, hold your breath and roll me a investigation check. <gasps> I take a big old deep breath. I'm gonna end up drowning. No, your constitution is high enough. You're not. Oh yeah, no. You'd have to stay under the water for like three minutes before you drown. I'm not worried about that. I can go four minutes before I start drowning, and then I can go four rounds before I die. And you guys are not in combat at the moment, so I'm not going to start counting minutes. I, I trust that you would investigate a little bit, come back up to breathe. You would trust that when I would start, like, needing air, I, my character would come up for air. What did you roll for your investigation check? Uh, 14. You don't see any obvious trigger to activate any kind of trap door or secret entrance, but you do notice that the the poisoning 
extends even down to the bottom of this this murky water that all that whatever had been poisoning up top had seeped down along the wall and everything kind of against this stone wall is all dead and dying from what can only be described as poisoning. How much water is there? It's about two and a half, three feet. Not a ton. And like, so two and a half, three feet deep, right? Yep. And then how far around? Uh, this sinkhole itself is about 90 feet in, in diameter. I, I open up the bag of holding and I submerge it to start filling it with water so that we drain the pool. Okay, Carlton has just submerged the bag of holding under the water, and there is a bit of a whirlpool going on as all the water... It's going Wait, down, what? but it's... V- yeah, it's going Ooh, down, but it's slow. I cannot be the bad idea police. You guys have to step up and tell Carlton no every now and then. <laughs> so Jonathan the Magimuscular, in his defense, is like is examining a wall and didn't really pay attention. Yeah, I was busy Sorry. doing the same. Yeah, the good news is this isn't the end of the world. It's not like all of a sudden you guys are sucked into oblivion. The most of you are strong enough to resist the current. Carlton, it does seem to be going down, but it's taking a while. You get the sense that there's probably little fissures and places in where the water is seeping up. After all, there's there's fish here, so it can't be just a stagnant pool of water. But okay. it is starting to drain. It, it might take like 20, 30 minutes, maybe. Okay. Can I investigate once once more and but more specifically checking for like uh some kind of subtle trigger or something like that? Oh, Rihanna, by the way, that poison you saw, it goes under the lake too. Oh, okay. I'll show you in about 30 minutes. <laughs> All right, keep up the good work. Yeah, while he continues to drain the swamp, uh, yeah, go ahead and roll me another investigation check. Okay. Eight. You don't see any other triggers. This wall is almost smooth. Well, hmm. Hmm. has anybody hmm. thought of detecting magic? Does anyone, can anyone detect magic? Bernie can. Jonathan the Magimuscular neglected to take that spell uh, at first level because he likes blasting things and not detecting things. And now he kind of realizes he was an idiot. I guess he, what he can do is he can kind of like put his hand to the wall and maybe make an arcana check to see if he can feel like any magical ley lines. Well, you can definitely do that. And then, uh, Bernie, did you want to cast Detect Magic? Sure. Oh, well, that that's way better. Well, I'm going to be here for, like, we, we can do it ritually, too. It's a ritual, yeah. For the next 10 minutes, while Carlton continues to suck a lot of water into a very small bag of holding, Bernie, you cast Detect Magic, and the wall is magical, but it's not a spell. Hmm. You are feeling draconic magic coming from this thing. There, There is something here. Obviously, the dragon that used to reside here had some way of opening up this door. It's it's not clear from the detect magic exactly what, but it, it had some way of doing it. Whether it was a magical means or not, it made the lock something that it could open. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to speak friend in draconic. Uh, Travancore, you can uh, hear him say friend yep. in Draconic, and you're kind of impressed by his accent. Not bad. Good pronunciation. You do give me a very good idea, though. If it's possible, like, I, you know, dragons are one of my favorite enemies, of course, so I want to see if I can, however long it's been, track the motion of this dragon to see where he would have gone. I think I get advantage on that because favorite enemy. Uh, you do. Yeah. Go ahead and give me... Actually, give me a nature check, because this is, this is a dragon that you have been told is dead, so, give me a nature check. Okay, we get advantage on that one as well? Sure. Cool. 22. 
you were told it's a green dragon. Green dragons are poisonous. Hmm. And you were pretty sure it probably has something to do with the poison that's on this wall. The, the poison is everywhere. And it's a little weird that there seems to be recent poisoning, but it's not a ton of poisoning. But it seems like that would be what a dragon would do, right? Hmm. Jonathan the Magic Muscular is going to try and cast Acid Splash onto the wall. Okay. Uh, what damage does Acid Splash do? Acid. Okay. You burn a little bit into the wall. I don't have any poison things. Wait. Guys, guys. I just, I literally thought of it as, <gasps> hey, uh, Rihanna, say poison to this thing. <laughs> oh, right. Oh. Oh, yeah. Say poison? What, in, in Infernal? Say, say, it to, say it to the bottle. He is holding out to you a very large jug with two handles. Seems to be exquisitely made, and he's just holding the opening up to you expectantly. Poison. Ha ha! Immediately you hear the, the slush, sloshing of liquid on the bottom. And then I pour the poison onto the wall. So you kind of pour, and then you kind of have to throw it a little bit, because it'll just dribble out the side. As soon as the poison touches this wall, you hear... <laughs> Nice. I also closed the bag of holding that's still taking all this swamp water. Yeah, your bag of holding might be full of water right now. We're going to have to talk about that later. (laughs) Meanwhile, this whole section of the wall grinds up just a huge portion of this wall, even larger than the, the section that you can see, all starts to lift up and away from the, the water. And there's still about two or three feet of water into this dark tunnel that's been revealed that is Large enough for probably a a small dragon to get through, but definitely it's activated this door and you can see a winding path leading into darkness. That was very clever. And Rihanna's like elbowing you in the arm like, ah, 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 I liked it. Sometimes I can do smart things. (laughs) He can every now and then. And we like to reward him with treats. Did you bring any treats, Rihanna? Every 10 adventures I do a smart thing. And so, like, the next ten are going to be real dumb. Uh, I have I have my own version of sweet treats, and she gives him a peck on the cheek. Aww. Oh, I have a new friend. Aww. Aww. <laughs> As you guys have this, this sweet moment, you then head forward into the darkness. I think all of you at this point have some sort of dark vision. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because, Jonathan, you've got your goggles, and everybody else has dark vision. So it is it is pitch black in here, but none of you really have a problem making your way winding through what looks to be a, a fairly long passageway. And then up ahead, you see, as it curves around to the left, you can see that there is kind of a faint greenish glow coming from up ahead. Um, I will sneak ahead, if you're all okay with that, to get it. Yeah, I'm not very good at that thing. Bernie's going to be asked to put down because she's bad at sneaking. I've got oh, yes. something that can help us with all of our, our sneaking needs. For you see, <laughs> I can cast a little something called uh, Pass Without Trace on, on a bunch of on a lot of us. And uh, what that will do, each creature you choose within 30 feet of me has a plus 10 bonus to dexterity, stealth checks, and can't be tracked except by magical leaves. Creature that receives this bonus leaves no tracks or other traces of its passage. So, do we have to stay within 30 feet of you of or me, just 30 feet within the casting? Let me see. Doesn't it really specify. It says within 30 feet. I believe it's within 30 feet of you. Yeah, that's what I that's, what that's what I I 30 feet of you. So, as long as you, I'm in the middle, Rihanna, Jonathan, Shadow, Carlton, Bernie, is anyone else with us? We left uh well, Bucks. Bucks is with us, right? Yeah. Yeah, Coco Bucks is with us. playing with the birds. Coco Snoot stayed home. All y'all can pass without a trace. And myself of course too. 
I still vote we send the sneaky one up first. She seems to know what she's doing. I'm down with that. And yeah. uh, I also, uh, Jonathan the Magic Muscular, uh, cast Mage Armor on himself. Okay. Rihanna, would you and Travancore like to go forward? And that way, the two of you can sneak? Well, the only issue with that is I think I need to be in the middle so that I have to affect it. Unless they're staying within, well, I can go up front as long as they're within 30 feet of, of yeah, me, Yeah, right? we can if make a, yeah, we'll 60, stay about 25 a 60 feet back. line. Yeah. Nope, we, nope. All right. No problem. Uh, we'll, we'll hang out in the front. All right, I would love everybody to roll a stealth check and add 10 to that number. Oh, nice. Ooh, plus, Which plus is my proficiency. That's Oh, I'm, yeah. It's mine's going to be pretty pretty rad. Yeah, even yeah. with that plus 10, that's already a 22. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Oh, One second. Yeah, it's a good you ca- good thing you cast that spell, friend. Well, <laughs> You know. Oh, clank, 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 there's the trolley. Dext. Ring, uh, ring, this ring. also does have to include <laughs> Bucks and Shadow, please. Let me ask this in order or else. Oh, God. All right. Bernie? Bernie got a total of 16, which is pretty on point. Yeah. Carlton? Uh, a 17. And Jonathan? Jonathan the Magic Muscular got a 19. And Bucks? Bucks got... I'm sorry... A twenty-nine for for Jonathan the Magic Muscular. Bucks got a twenty-three. All right, and Travancore and Shadow. Travancore got a thirty-four. Uh, Shadow got a fourteen. <laughs> oh no! And Rihanna. Here we go. Rihanna got a natural twenty. Drink, hey, oh! drink, oh! drink, everybody, please. Well, do you naturally get plus twelve on yours? Yes, I do, and so that is plus twenty-two. <laughs> So oh, your sneaking you is the answer to life, the universe, and everything? <laughs> yep. Exactly. She snuck through fucking time. Shadow boss. She snuck through time and space is what we've just gotten out of I've this. I've entered another dimension. She is so sneaky, I can't see her anymore. <laughs> and I'm the omniscient DM. <laughs> God is like, shit, where'd she go? <laughs> yeah, it is. it is like she just disappears like birdie like feels like she's just floating in air now like <gasps> no we decided that it would be better for her to leave birdie yeah. behind <laughs> and this role has proven that <laughs> yeah it took her off the shoulder <laughs> yeah yeah so bernie's on the ground it's kind of bernie shadow carlton and jonathan and bucks with jonathan and, and bucks being pretty sneaky and the not surprisingly the ranger and the rogue have gone off ahead travancore you know that you are being pretty darn quiet but for a moment, as you and your new companion sneak forward, you don't even know where she is. Like, that's how sneaky she is. And it's impressive. As you guys sneak around the corner, still staying within about 30 feet of, of everything, you peek around into a large cavern, essentially. Obviously, the the former lair of this dragon it is taken over with a huge plant, uh, this green vinish plant with bright yellow flowers, giving off this very pleasant flowery smell. And the, the ground rises up out of the water into kind of a, a rocky floor. You see some discarded weapons and random bits of what look like a couple of bags, maybe a uh, a sword or two over in one of the corner, probably the remnants of of whatever this horde was. And yeah, Travancore and um, Rihanna, give me perception checks since you're the the people up front. Okay. All right, Travancore, twenty three, and Rihanna, four. All right, 
Rihanna, you're concentrating so much on being stealthy and quiet and silent, especially in this water and with all of this humidity and everything, that all you really see is this big cavern in front of you with all the, the pretty flowers. Travancore, you instantly sight the body of a gargoyle lying motionless on the ground about 20 feet in front of you. That like It barely got into this cavern and it, it seems to be fallen over on its side, not moving. Uh, here be a gargoyle. He be dead. Wait, where? I don't see him. <laughs> <laughs> I I sort of motion to the party and I point out precisely where this gargoyle is. And Rihanna, as he points it out, now you do see it. Uh, and as everybody kind of very quietly moves up, you you all see the body of this this creature. And you can, as you get a little bit closer, you can see there are, seem to be other bodies lying around this place. Uh, some of them look like they're long decayed. Others seem to be the large beings of some sort with red shells around them. And the smells a little bit in here it's it's this the sweet smells from the flower is kind of commingling with mm, death it's it's disturbing do any of the swords on the rack look of the great variety uh they're not on a rack they're just lying on the ground and you would have to go on over to check them out i will do that hold on hold okay. on hold on hold on uh do we see you go about five feet and jonathan goes he mom hands puts me his hand. like no Boom. yeah he totally mom nope. hands you uh jonathan the magimuscular wants to Look at the body and see if it's wearing a ring. He's gonna cast Mage Hand and like lift up the the hands of the uh, of the gargoyle to see if it's wearing this ring. Uh, you lift up the the hands. It's not wearing a ring. It doesn't seem to be holding a ring. But the the gargoyle is wearing some rudimentary clothing. So it could be in a a pocket or a pouch or something. You can't. But you don't see anything obvious. All right. He's gonna start. Uh. How so when when I cast Mage Hand, how sensitive is this hand? Like, do I get any sort of sensation from it, or is it like essentially a really long, like a uh, picky uppy claw, whatever the fuck those things are called? You're you're kind of playing the claw game from from those those kids things. You don't get any sort of feedback on it whatsoever. Okay, um, or just the barest enough that you, if you are picking something up, you know that you are holding something, right? But you don't get any tactile sense okay let's uh let's go ahead and drag this uh this gargoyle back and and rifle through it and see if we because if we find the ring we're done we can chop off a claw and then we head back all right who's gonna walk on up and drag this gargoyle out of the room not i said the gnome <laughs> it's usually i uh but i want to look at the weapons before i do the dragging okay you have to go kind of to the far wall off to the right to do that i'm doing that okay as you walk up, go ahead and roll an investigation check. Ugh. All right. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to go drag the body back. I'll drag it on my way out. No, you may not have a way out. You're going to get eaten by a fucking plant. Bernie doesn't heal, stupid. She just yells out to the void. All right, Carlton, what's your investigation check? Six. Oh, dear. You don't see any great swords. They all seem to be... Old and rotted short swords, a couple daggers. The pile over to the right seems to have some sheaths for smaller weapons that don't seem to be completely decrepit. Jonathan, roll a strength check as you try to drag this gargoyle back. And Carlton, I need you to make a wisdom saving throw. <sighs> Jonathan, what was your number? That is going to be uh, 22. Okay. This thing is heavy, but you grab a hold of it and you start to drag it back. Carlton, what was your saving throw number? 10. 
Okay. You, as you're kind of rifling through all of these weapons and everything, the scent of the flowers along the wall is intoxicating. You find yourself just staring at them. And you are currently charmed. We can go into initiative. Aw, man. You fucking idiot. Jeez. We had a plan. You know, as a player, I have... Every week I admired... Car- John's performance as Carlton because John clearly knows a thing or two about Dungeons and or Dragons but he plays Carlton so accurately that he really <laughs> if, he, if he strolled to the character he had no other choice especially since my character's been trying to get a new weapon so while Travancore is mad Jack is impressed Bernie knew this would happen and she knew she couldn't stop it so she's not mad she's just like resigned to this existence that she's cursed herself to so she's not mad at Carlton just disappointed <laughs> which yeah she's just like well like, Carlton's at the point now where he's like, this would look really good in our garden. I don't know that we want hypno flowers in our garden. Carlton, at this moment, all you can think is, ah. That's actually a pretty relaxing state for Carlton. Yeah, that's it. That's all you can think. Wait, I'm sorry. Did we already determine if the gargoyle was, it was dead or was it passed out? It looks to be dead. And as Carl, um, as Jonathan has grabbed it and is dragging it, Jonathan looks, it looks dead to you. Okay. It is not moving. It is not breathing. It is not doing any kind of signs of life. And, and Jonathan, you're familiar enough with gargoyles because of Ansara to know that when they're staying still, they can look like statues, but this thing seems to be totally dead. Yeah. Yeah. This thing is expired. It's stone cold. <sighs> All right. Carlton. Uh-huh. Uh, my initiative is a 22. And Bernie? An 8. And Travancore? 23. And Jonathan? 7. And Bucks? 11. And Shadow? 6. Rihanna? 90. Lauren? Yes? Why did you roll a natural 20 on the creature's initiative? Uh, because. I'm not drinking to that. I will. Travancore, you're up first. The only thing you currently see in this room is Carlton drooling as he is five feet away from this one of these large, vibrant yellow flowers that seem to cover the walls. Hmm. Okay. Huh. Well, I don't want to find my, my friend Carlton, but um, as a bonus action, I do like a insider investigation on the thing on the walls that Carlton's looking at. Sure. Okay. Give me an investigation. Uh, give me a nature check, actually. Gotcha. Let's nature it up. Nature, nature, nature. Well, five. They are very pretty flowers. Lovely. All right, Travancore is going to put some arrows in those pretty flowers. I mean, he doesn't know really what sure. to do. He doesn't want to try and hurt Carlton yet unless he absolutely has to. That's going to be a 21. That'll hit, yes, the flowers <laughs> on the wall. Lovely. All right. It's going to do five damage. Excellent. You destroy a flower. Lovely. Well... And with that, knowing what Carlton can do and knowing he's kind of the closest person, Travicor is going to take a st- back a step about 15 feet to Bernie's right. Sure. So you kind of ease yourself back. Carlton, it is your turn. Um, you are currently charmed by this flower. You are as close as you can to get to it. Uh, so at the end of your turn, you can make a wisdom saving throw. I yell out the Travicor, don't hurt my flowers! Ah, 21 wisdom save. Hey, good job. Yeah, you kind of shake your head and sneeze and get the pollen out of your nose. And you you wonder why you were drawn to this flower so much. Oh, fuck these flowers. All right. As you come to your senses around all of you, strange creatures start to rise to their feet. 
And you can see that they're, they were just lying motionless all over the place. All of them, they look like giant lobsters. It's what? a little weird. That's cool. Uh, huge lobster men uh, with dour faces of humans, even though their eyes are still on stalks, what? have been lying all over the Can place. Can I go back to the flowers? They have huge <laughs> claws with, you know, those those crazy pincers, like the one claw that's really big and the one that's a little bit smaller. They stagger to their feet and charge at you. Two of them are going to rush Carlton. Wow. One of them is going to push forward to where Jonathan has been pulling back the body of this gargoyle. One of them is going to rush up to Rihanna. And one of them is going to go up to Bernie. What? I know, right? What? All right. Carlton, two claw attacks are coming at you from the first guy. First one is definitely going to miss. Uh, I think that's a 13 that misses. Yep. The second one rolls a natural one. He just, he's still trying to stand up. The other one, uh, 15 versus AC? Uh, miss. I deflect right. it with my halberd. And another natural one. Wow. And while deflecting the first one with the halberd, it kind of spins him around in a circle and he misses the second one. It's like they think that you're still charmed by this flower. Jonathan, you've got two claws coming at you. All right, bring it. Uh, oh, no, you brought oh. it. <laughs> I did. Apparently, the lobster men have brought it. So uh, that's a 22 versus AC. That'll hit. Okay. You take uh, seven bludgeoning damage as its large claw wraps around your waist. And I need you to make a strength saving throw. Ten. You actually are unable to get out of its claw, and you are now grappled by it as it brings around its other claw. Uh, that's going to be a 22 versus AC. That hit last time. As its big claw wraps around you and grapples you, the second claw comes on over and just sinks into you hard. You take 13 bludgeoning damage as it just whacks you. Uh, Rihanna, you've got claws coming at you. The first one is a 17. Wait, to hit? Oh, no. Yeah, no, hit. that hits. Uh, you take six bludgeoning damage, and I need you to make a strength saving throw. E.T. Oh, yeah. It wraps its giant claw around you, and it tries to hold on, and you just we just slip right out of its grasp. But it is going to try to hit you with its second claw. But that one is going to... Uh, 13, I don't think, no. hits you. No. All right. And the one on Bernie, the first claw, uh, that's a 21 versus AC. Oh, that hits. Shit. All right. Nine bludgeoning damage, and I need you to make a strength saving throw. Oh, great. That's going to work out really well. Bernie's also going to use her thing, just so you know. Strength. What's strength? I would love to know what your thing is. <laughs> My shield that lets me do 1d6 fire damage to these little, sure. little pieces of shit. 17, does that save? Uh, 17 saves, yes. So uh, as you bring your shield up to take most of this giant claw, it bursts into flame and how much damage does this lobster man take it takes three flame damage sure all right it is gonna try to hit you with its smaller claw but it rolls a natural one i believe i've just rolled four natural ones in that round that's exciting anyway the lobster men are done rihanna you've got a horrible red decrepit lobster face with stocky eyes glaring at you right in your field of view, what would you like to do? 
Um, do I have to disengage before moving so I don't, in, like, incur? If you, yeah, if you disengage, it will not get an attack of opportunity on you, or you can just move, mm-hmm. and it will get a chance to swipe at you. Well, I'll disengage because I can do that as a bonus action, and sure, I'm going to move down to um, Bernie, I think that is, down here. Yeah, Bernie's on the left, Travancore is on the right. Who would you like to move in front of? I'll move to Bernie. Okay. And... That way, I can get an extra d6 of damage. I want to hit the little lobster guy that's going at her on my left there. Yeah. Quick piece of advice. Yeah. If you moved right here, I'm pinging on the map, you would not only get your sneak attack, but you would also have advantage. Yeah, we play flanking in this game. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, we do play flanking. So if you would like to move there. Okay. Then I'll do that. And you wouldn't have to disengage either. I'll do that. That's also true. All right. So you kind of skirt around this thing, get into flanking with Bernie. Go ahead and make your attacks with advantage. To hit, that's 18. Oh, yes. And then with my rapier. And it is, at seventh level, 4d6 for your sneak attack. And you do get it. So give me 4d6. Okay. So so right now we're at four for my initial roll, plus three, plus two, plus... Six. Hey, nice. Plus two. And either way, that's two shots at the policeman, so that's three plus two plus one plus one. If I <laughs> math correctly, I think you're at 17. Nice. <laughs> that's what I got. So 17 damage as Rihanna uh. gets into flanking with Bernie and just shanks this thing with a giant rapier. Trevancore thinks to himself, I gotta get one of those. <laughs> Bernie says, I like her. I like her. Can we keep her? <laughs> oh, I like you guys too. So that was that was your attack because you did not have to disengage because you just moved around. I believe you do get a bonus action. Oh, who still? You? If you'd like to do anything, can I attack again? As a bonus action, she can absolutely attack. Uh, as a bonus action, the the lobster I was hitting isn't dead yet, right? It, oh, it is not. It looks hurt, and your your deep thrust. Uh, the rapier comes back out with this blackish blue goop, but it is still standing. Okay, then with that to that same lobster, I wanna. Stab it with my dagger. Stabby stab. <laughs> okay. Um, 12. Well, roll again, because you have advantage. Oh, yeah, roll again. I yeah. still do. Wonderful. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. flanking. You just don't get sneak attack on this, that's all. 12. You you did such a deep thrust with the first hit that the second one glances off this natural lobster exoskeleton that it has. Mm-hmm. Anything else? That's it. All right. The plants around the room writhe, and you could swear you hear it making this weird noise. Yeah. Carlton, a vine reaches out from the wall to try to hit you. That's five yeah. natural ones in this game, Horn. That I'm just failing miserably. So I'm okay with that. So I don't think a I don't think uh seven eight nine the twelve does not hit you. Yeah. No. So it just it just whiffs. It totally whiffs. And it is Bucks' turn. All right. Bucks is going to fly. Uh, he's just going to try and avoid the wall. And he's going to go over here next to Carlton or uh, towards Carlton. But he's going to try and stay. He's seen what the wall does. So he's going to try and stay away from that. Yeah. And he's able to fly kind of towards the center of the room, staying away from the walls. Anything else he wants to do? Uh, he's going to look out for any other enemies. Sure. Give me a perception check. All right. And with advantage... Because he's an owl, and owls are awesome. Because owls. Because owls. Uh, 19. 
the only other body in this room is the gargoyle, and there doesn't seem to be anything else. All right. Bernie, you've got a disgusting lobster man in your face that is just drooling and now bleeding heavily because of of Rihanna. What would you like to do? Okay, so Bernie's going to cast Bless as a second level spell so she can hit um, Carlton, Riri, Travi, and Jonathan. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. And then as a bonus action, she's going to bust out her spiritual weapon. Oh, what's it going to look like? It looks like a claw cracker. Yes! On the side, of course, is written Chester the Destroyer, because that's the name of my spiritual weapon. I'm going to put it, how do I make it in flanking with this this crab that's been attacking me? Uh, well, at this point, because you are in flanking with Rihanna, anyone else that shows up will also get the benefits nice. of flanking. So I can just put it right next to this lobster man and you can get advantage. Okay. Okay. So either a 19 plus 8 or a 15 plus 8. So a 19 plus 8, which is going to be a 27. Hit. They hit. Go ahead and roll damage. And damage for this thing, which I should know by now by freaking heart. I would rather have you look it up I and take a moment and get it right. D8 so, plus spellcasting ability modifier. Okay, that's what I thought. Takes eight damage. Woo! It is looking super hurt as it's shanked by Rihanna, as it is cracked by Chester the Destroyer. Jonathan, it's your turn. You are currently grappled by one of these claw masters. I and am so- going to try and fix that. Uh, all right. Uh, Rihanna. Yes. Brace yourself as you see Jonathan the Magimuscular point a tiny red bead out just behind you and that erupts in a 20 foot radius, uh, just missing uh, Bernie and Bucks, but enveloping these three crap people, Chester the Destroyer, myself, and you as a fireball detonates. And I'm assuming. You're sculpting it around your friends. Yes. So Jonathan the Magic Muscular has a feature that allows him to sculpt around allies. So the fireball coalesces around Jonathan and uh, Rihanna and Chester just because. Uh, so they are unaffected by the fireball. And Jonathan, what color is your fireball? It is blue because he overcomes fire resistance if they have it. Mm. Just like Azula from that one play. Yeah, if you notice closely, Carlton has a lot of burns where his eyebrows used to be. All right, Rihanna, as Jonathan calls out to you to look out and you see this bead coming towards you, you don't really have the time to duck out of the way as the area just erupts in fire. But curiously, the fire just wishes past you and around you and over you and you can almost feel the heat, Mm -hmm. but it's as though something has kept the fire from you. The uh, lobster men, however are not so lucky. Two of them completely fail their dexterity saving throws, but one of them did roll a 17. The one next to to Bernie and Rihanna actually rolled a 17. Of fucking course course it it did. did. So everyone is going to take 15 damage. It's not a powerful fireball at all this time. The one that saved gets gets hit for seven. And uh, this fireball shots for y'all. Cheers. All right. Well, the good news is that seven is just barely enough as it cooks this lobster from the inside out and it dies. Woo. We're having lobster for dinner. Hmm. Yep. I'll get the butter. You hurt this lobster man next to you tremendously, but it does not let go. You are still grappled. Yeah, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more that it might uh, it might die. 
I still have move and a bonus, but I don't think I can do anything. So No, you need an action to try to escape from its grapple. So at the moment, your movement is zero. All right. Uh, that's that's it. Jonathan the Magimuscular is done. All right. Shadow, resplendent in his new armor, growls into the into the, this cavern and looks to Travancore. What would you like Shadow to do? All right. Shadow is going to go into flanking with the one who's in front of Rihanna, and he's going to fly there because we never lost the ability to fly. <laughs> so nope, why not? You still have it for three days. Yeah, he <laughs> soars above, kind of oh in the same way God. Buck soars. <laughs> Super bear. <laughs> and... <laughs> Please don't shoot. Anyway. <laughs> and he is going to claw at this fellow with advantage. Sure. And uh, will an 18 hit. Yes, go ahead and claw. All right, the clawed. Ooh, that's going to do 11 damage. Ooh, nice. Oh, wow, max damage. Dang. Nice. Yeah, well done. Jonathan had set this thing on fire, and it was already pretty warm. And as Shadow lands deftly, even though he only learned how to fly maybe 30, 40 minutes ago, he turns and with a graceful swipe, just takes the armor off this thing's back and then bite into its flesh to uh, eat a little bit of steamed crab or steamed lobster as it dies. And Shadow gives the slightest of head nods to Rihanna. Mm. No. He manages to look both fearsome and cute at you, Rihanna. I love it. She bows back. (laughs) (laughs) Her tail is wagging back and forth. (laughs) Bernie's gonna have a conversation with Rihanna about a bear later. (laughs) Well, first it's Travancore's turn. Uh, What would you like to do? Oh, boy. Travancore thinks to himself briefly the thing his father said to him once. We all still have Zoidberg. Not really understanding what that means or why he said that. The moment passes as it does. And uh, Travancore is going to aim an arrow at the one who is uh, has his, his good buddy, the one he's known the longest, Jonathan Magimuscular, in his clutches. All right. And he's going to cast Hunter's Mark on this guy as well. Ooh. Sure. Hunter's Mark. Which means we all lose past without trace, but hey, there's a time to be stealthy and a time to kill things. Yeah, I don't think stealth is going to help us here. <laughs> Will the 24 hit? Oh, yes. Woot, woot. Your arrow finds purchase. As the kids say, woot woot. That arrow's going to do 11 damage. Nice. It sinks in really deep. This thing was already super hurt. Uh, you actually... You normally go for an eye, but these things are on stalks, and you're not quite sure <laughs> if that's a good place to go for it. So you find a chink in its armor, and Jonathan, you feel its claw loosen as this thing dies. I totally forgot that you add the hundred dark market, and it's not that I needed it. Oh, yeah, between, yeah. <laughs> you you it, fucking annihilate this thing. <laughs> yep. Uh, anything else? I think Travancore is good where he is. Um, yeah, so he's done. Jonathan the Magimuscular both finds the thwip of a closely loosed arrow very satisfying, but also terrifying. All right, uh, Carlton, you are against the wall looking at this flower surrounded by lobster men. What would you like to do? I, I jump to the other side of the lobster men into the to catty corner. The vines can do their thing. Yeah, they're going to whip out at you. Hold on just a moment. I had this, like, picture in my mind of, like, being absorbed into the wall, and I'm like, I don't want to be next to the wall as the vines grasp me. Uh, well, that is an 18. Does that hit? That does. All right. You are going to take 15 psychic damage. Oh, damn. I can't resist that. And I'm not raging either. The thorns kind of touch you, but they don't actually do the damage. You almost feel like something has crept into your mind, like the thorns reached into your brain and smacked you. But you do move away. 
Uh, and then that really pisses me off, and I'm going to rage. Uh, and so I'm going to start swinging my uh, halberd. Let's go for the one to the north of me. Sure. I'm going to go recklessly. Oh, no. I went recklessly, which means I have advantage. Both die were a one. Wow! Oh, I propose that we drink to this wholly unfortunate but kind of awesome deal. To manufacture triumph. Here, here. Here, here. Carlton, you and I are, are rolling ones tonight. Okay, you fail miserably. You are so just bothered by this weird psychic damage that your first couple of slashes towards the, the, the first lobster man fail miserably. Go ahead and roll your second attack. That's more like it. That's going to be a 26 to hit. Oh, yes. And do you need me to separate the damage between the slashing In and this the case, no. Okay. Uh, in that case, it's going to be a total of 14 slashing, slashing. All right. Uh, and then, you know what? I'm really upset that I missed that first attack, so I'm going to frenzy. Oh, wait, I can't. I bonus action rage this turn. You did. You did rage. Yep. Okay. Then you are done. It is the lobsterman's turn. They are going to shamble into flanking the one to the north. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. I will drink to that again. I will drink to that. Wow. <laughs> Decapodium. Ladies attack. and gentlemen, yes. this lobster man dies. This lobster man just <laughs> he dies in shame. Wait, did you just kill a lobster off in shame? Is that what you said? He tried to go after you with the big claw, and he sunk one claw into the ground, and he sunk the other claw into the ground, and then he just pl- face-planted into the ground in front of you and died. Oh. <laughs> this lobster man has died of shame. No. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm still going to... Before he dies, though, the other one is going to try to attack you with its claw. 16 versus AC? We'll miss. We'll miss. Here comes the small claw. That's a 21 versus AC. That'll make it. That'll hit. You're going to take eight bludgeoning damage so reduced four. to half as it... Oh, that was bad. Rihanna, you look over as you see your your new half-orc friend basically glare at a lobster man and make him die. Ooh. The fury of my rage has burned it. She's a little aroused. <laughs> She's like, mm. wow. Oh, he's got something that's... <laughs> he's got something the other, the other uh, half-orcs don't have. <laughs> Is my turn? Is your turn? How far am I? Forty-five feet. Okay, I'll I'll come forward about here, like twenty feet, and I want to take out my my short bow. Sure. And try to hit that lobster. What nice. Want to hit? Oh yeah. Plus three, eight, eight damage. And sneak attack. Yeah, yeah, and and that's another five plus four. Plus four, plus one. Nice. So your arrow sinks in, and for a moment, you're satisfied. But then you realize that, no, you're not really satisfied. And the the arrow uh, you had aimed just kind of off kilter for a second, but you managed to correct your aim, and it, it just severs the spine of this thing, and it dies. Mm. Yay! Woo! Woo! I like you, backstab buddy. Ooh, <laughs> Yeah. Anything backstab, else you'd like to do back- that was your movement right. and your attack? Um, she just gives a, a little wink at, <laughs> at uh, the half-orc. Yeah. I figure gun back at her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Around you, the flowers emanate this sickly smell. I need Carlton, Bernie, and Travancore to make wisdom saving throws. Everybody but me, remember, you get to roll a d4 and add that to your wisdom saving throw. 
Oh, nice. I'm not going to drink. Need it. All right, Carlton, what'd you get? Uh, 23 with a natural uh, 20. You are oh, not nice. going to let this plant take over your mind yeah, once fuck again. You, plant. Travancore? Seven. And Bernie? 21. Okay, Bernie, you saw what happened with Carlton, and you're wary of these plants, and you kind of shake the pollen out of your eyes and out of your nose. Travancore, as the pollen spurts into your face, as, as you are close enough to the, the wall to get basically a, a face full of pollen, these are the most beautiful plants you've ever seen, and on your turn, you are charmed by them, and all you can do is move towards the wall. So pretty, so pretty. Very pretty. It's Bucks's turn. Bucks is kind of going to scout for me here. Is there a source for these plants? Is there like a central point where I can kind of, I don't know, blow them up? <laughs> Go ahead and have Bucks roll a nature check. Oh. Oh, go, Bucks, go. That's nice. awesome. Let's see. Nature is wisdom. He gets a, he gets plus one. So that's 19. There's not like a central root system or anything, but like any creepy crawly vines, you do enough damage to them and they're going to die. All right. Good to know. All right. Bernie, it's your turn. Um, Bernie is going to cast Mass Healing Word, and it's basically up to six creatures, so everyone, including me. So me, Carlton, Riri, Jonathan, Magic Muscular, and technically Travancore and the Bear, but neither of them have taken any damage. So, and they're going to, and I've got, God, I have the the things, all the things when it comes to healing spells. So, they're going to get 1d4 plus my spell casting ability modifier plus 2 plus 3. Sure. Yes. <laughs> so, 1d4. It's like sneak attack for healing. Good old life cleric. Okay, so everybody gets 13 points of nice. healing, which is good, especially for Jonathan the Magic Muscular, who Thank you. really in need of it. And I get an additional five. So I get okay. 18 points of healing, which brings me back up to my max. All right. Anything else? Is there any way I can identify, like, was there a big center plant in the middle? That was a thing, right? No, there's no center point in the middle. It's just covering all of the walls of this cavern. And uh, you just get the sense that if you do enough damage to these creeper vines, it, it will die. How it close, is just a plant. How close are we to the walls? You and Travancore are only about 10 feet away from the wall. Your spiritual weapon is only about 15, 20. So it could definitely... All awesome. of you are fairly close to the walls, except for Rihanna. She's kind of the only one who's moved into the center of the room. And okay, Bucks. well... The spiritual weapon, as a bonus action, is going to move close to the wall and do a thing that spiritual weapon, which is never done before, uh, which is morph as it moves. Oh. Yeah, this is turning very specifically into a homemade style flamethrower. And sure. now it's going to attack some vines on the walls. Go ahead and attack um, some vines on the wall. Is a 23 going to hit? That is also going to hit. Go ahead and <laughs> roll like, damage. All right, eight damage. All right, you see some of those vines curl and wither away uh, as your spiritual damage takes hold. Jonathan, it is your turn. All right, Jonathan the Magic Muscular is going to... He saw another play. Uh, it was about a guy in an iron suit who flew around. And the guy in the iron suit has these lasers that he kind of like, like shot everywhere. So he's going to try something similar. He's going to fire scorching rays at the various vines on the wall. Sure. Roll some attacks. All right, so that's going to be a 20. Yes. 23, 25. Yep. 
And a natural one. Fuck that. All right, so two hits. It's amazing how one of them misses the wall, but the how other does two that do even it. happen? It you rolled the one thing that could probably do it. Go ahead and roll damage for your other two. All right, six damage on one and seven damage on the other. All right, the two that smack into the walls make more of these flowers curl and die. And Shadow, it is your turn. All right, I want to see if a bonus as a bonus action, Shadow can do like a perception check or keen a smell check, as it were, to see if he can find a place where he'll do the most damage to these vines. Sure, give me a smell check. Smell check incoming. 16. There doesn't seem to be a specific place like most creeper vines. It's just kind of everywhere, but he is definitely close enough to the wall uh, and one of the places that hasn't yet been attacked. There's a whole big cluster of vines there that he thinks he could gnaw himself into. All right, Shadow is going to fly towards those and he's going to bite at them using his teeth. As people do to bite things. This flying bear makes me so happy. I know. I didn't even think about I Shadow. Like it so much. Just in my head, he doesn't like actually move his limbs. He just like kind of Power Ranger style, just like flies forward. <laughs> He's just like. All right, what do you roll? 22. Oh, yes. Rad. All right, and the bite. It's going to do seven damage. As Shadow gnaws into this plant, Travancore, you are compelled to move towards the wall and just stare lovingly at one of these flowers. And at the end of your turn, you can make a wisdom saving throw. Okay. Wisdom. Add your d4. And adding my d4. That's going to be a nine. This is the most beautiful flower you have ever seen. And you just want to inhale its fragrance and stay close. Like the deserts miss the rain. <laughs> Carlton, it's your turn. Yeah, so I don't like that the vines and the flowers have messed with my mind. My buddies are all charmed. So I'm going to recklessly attack the flowers on the wall. Sure. Because that's a thing I can do. That is. 19 to hit. Definitely. And does this, does the damage type matter for the flowers? Uh, no, just give me it all at once. All right, total is 17. Excellent. You slice through uh, huge swaths of this wall, and it's it's starting to look like you've, you've pruned quite a bit, but there's still- I'm going to keep pruning. It's still alive. Pruning recklessly. Um, that's a, uh, that's a, what we call a natural 20. Nice. Drink! Drink! All right, so- It's been just a night of ones and twenties. All right, so, so far it's 17, uh, but then I get to, because I'm a half-orc, I get to do some extra stuff, so- Okay, so we're going to do an extra 12 damage, so that'll be 29 total. Yeah, you've cleared this whole section of the wall. Basically, all that's left is some of the vines that are uh, hanging off of the ceiling about 30 feet above you. Not anymore, as I frenzy. Okay. (laughs) You're going to fly up to the ceiling? Yeah, I'm going to fly up to the ceiling to prune uh, for 16 to hit. Uh, Yeah, that hits. So that's going to be 1, 3, 4, 9, 11. There is not much of this thing left. Your necrotic damage uh, sweeps through this thing, and you could—you swear you could hear it screaming in the back of your mind. <laughs> nope, don't like that at all. Do not Ooh, like that at that's all. That's horrible. That's what I do. Rihanna, it is your turn. You've watched as this half-orc has weed-whacked basically everything except the ceiling. Okay, since it seems like we're about to be done, I kind of want to do a quick search like around the room if there's any... Anything around the room left to take? Any treasure of any kind? Sure. Go ahead and give me an investigation check. Or actually, no. Just give me a perception check, because you're just kind of looking around. Okay. I just like how you threw carnivorous plants at us on the uh, solar eclipse. Yeah. I'll, uh, 
uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. <laughs> Feed me, Seymour. I was going to ask you if its name was Seymour. What did you roll for your uh, perception? I got me a natural one. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'll say as a bonus action that you make this this check, you tear your eyes off these horrible golden flowers for a moment to search around the room. You see the body. You see what looks like a pile of shit in the corner. Uh, oh, God, flowers. Those are crazy flowers. You don't really see anything. Oh, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll let that be your bonus action if you'd still like to make an attack. Okay, sure. Um, then, yeah, I'll be like, oh, I'll finish us off. Here we go. And um, sure. I want to throw my daggers. 17 to hit. Oh, yes. Go ahead and roll damage. And Carlton is next to the flowers, so you do get sneak attack. Dagger, dagger, dagger. Dagger, dagger, dagger. Well, in this case, just dagger. Just dagger. So six initial damage plus four plus two plus three plus six. Damn. So describe in gory detail the death of this plant. Okay. Yeah. The dagger sinks directly into its its whatever. I, I don't remember flower anatomy anymore because that was elementary school. But the center <laughs> into of the yeah. center with all the pollen. And it just immediately splits in twain. And then you can see like the black sludge of whatever was poisoning these plants over time start to seep out and, and spill over the rest of the plants. Yeah, Carlton, you quickly just duck over to the side as the final bits of this horrible, crazy plant fall to the ground dead, and you you guys have a moment to breathe. Um, I will say it's a fairly simple check to search through the pockets of the gargoyle, and reaching into one of the, the side pockets, you can see a ring, a gold ring with a red gem on it that seems to match the description. Is there anything else you wanted to do in here? Yeah, uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular, seeing Carlton kind of like recovering from all the plant thing and not really finding a great sword, he's going to do an investigation check to see if he can find a great sword for Carlton. Okay, go ahead and roll an investigation check as you kind of search through the area Damn with it. all the random shit. That's a 10. Wait, I'm still, hold on, I'm still blessed. I'm still You're still blessed. blessed for a little bit, yeah. That's a 13. The weapons are all small. They all look tiny. They all look like goblin sized. Carlton, I don't think we're gonna find a uh, a greatsword down here. Uh, uh, all of these are are these are small folk weapons, goblins. Yeah, no, like. nah, they're like toothpicks. All right, well, uh, if you would not mind, uh, let's go go get a claw from this uh, from this gargoyle fellow, and let's get out of here. All yeah. right, so I grab my halberd and I kind of go like a flying like dive bomb with it in front of me to slice off the hand. Sure. I'm not even going to make you roll for that. You Maybe just... we should <laughs> let Riri do this. She's got what's called finesse. But she's got a pokey thing. <laughs> this is no time for shampoo. <laughs> Carlton actually flies from the ceiling and uses oh. his, his axe to just funk, and the whole claw comes off of this gargoyle. She likes the style. She likes the glam. <laughs> there you go. I decided I put the mass in the momentum. All right, you guys collect your spoils and fly back out without a problem. Head up and see that the Aarakocra have been circling with a nod in their direction. They're very quick to head you on back to Kir Sabal. Uh, you've only been gone for like an hour and a half. It's been surprisingly quick. Uh, but Mwaksanari and Ying Matona are, are there in the room and they rise from their chairs as they see you walking on in Ying Matona. 
has this weird bird grin on her face as she says, I hear that you were done so quickly that my charge didn't even have a chance to try to escape. And Bernie, you can see that uh, Mwaxonari is totally and completely enthralled with Coco Snoot. She is just still on the floor, like petting your Mastiff anywhere he wants. And he is given into it. He is on his back, like belly, belly time, belly, belly, belly time. <laughs> Hmm. Bernie gives gives a Coco Snoot a look that says, have some dignity. <laughs> and he rolls over, but he still is staying right next to Mwaxonari. And, and she looks at uh, the Ying Manitoba lady and she says, it looks like you're going to be able to have a boy king after all. Yeah, uh, Jonathan the Magic Muscular, as he's flying down, he's like, he sees Coco Snoot. He's like, Bucks, go give Coco Snoot scritches. Uh, Bucks flies over. And if he can catch Coco Snoot on the belly, he will. Otherwise, he'll get like little back scratches as Jonathan the Muscular takes out the ring and it's like here is the uh the ring uh my companion Carlton has the other item I got a hand Ying Matona takes the ring and and bows to you as Mwaxonari is quick to stand up and come and grab the claw and Ying Matona says I am very impressed I can see that my faith in Arasic was well placed in all of you and she reaches into a pocket and pulls out a a pouch that contains uh, some jingling and hands it to um, she hands it to Rihanna and says, "You can uh, distribute this to your companions as you see fit." And Rihanna, as you kind of open up the pouch and look in it, you see that it is filled with platinum. Mm. Ah! It is actually Hello. a total of fifty platinum pieces Shit. in there. Your sharp eyes. As Rihanna kind of very quickly counts all through that platinum, Carlton, you hand over the claw and Mwaxonari at first is kind of a normal 15-year-old jumping up and down in glee, grabs it from you and then composes herself and stands regally and says, you have done a very great service for the leaders of Chult today and I will not renege on my promise to give you something special. And she reaches into the bag that she had slung over her shoulders ostensibly when she was going to follow you and pulls out a very gorgeously carved wooden mask. It Ooh. seems to be the the front mask of some sort of reptilian beast that she hands over and she says, this is one of the great beasts that you can find here in Chult. Many of the the goblin tribes worship many of the dinosaurs that are found here. And this one was carved especially for the tribe. Uh, specifically, this tribe is the Terrible Claw tribe. And I believe you will find that this item will serve you well. And I will pass on over the specifics for this item. But you now have a Dynanicus mask that once a day can cast polymorph on you, turn you into a Dynanicus. <gasps> wow. I want to be a dinosaur so bad. But she hands this on over. Ying Matona hands over the ring and then looks at you and says, I can send you on back to Waterdeep if you would prefer, but one moment. And she closes her eyes and says a few words under her breath. And all of you had been kind of enjoying flying. You've been kind of hovering about a couple of inches off the ground. And you feel this warmth pass through you. And then you all drop to the ground as Ying Matona's wings reappear. And she says, I will need those later. But if you are ready, I would be more than happy to return you with the grateful thanks of my people. <laughs> 
That sounds sure. good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. And I extend my hand, as always, to uh, to shake hers. And she gladly shakes it. Just out of curiosity, what was with that ring? Mox Swannery is putting it back on her finger and she says, This is the only way I have to prove that I am of royal lineage. And without it, I am just any other girl who thinks she's a princess. Hey, kid, next time you come with. Yes, next time. Roxy. You and your bear and your dog. My dog. One word. Find a dictionary, look it up, think about it real hard. Democracy. <laughs> uh, and Bernie turns and, to And Core lets out a very audible, like, like Kiff Croker level gruff sigh. Waxonary is super confused as you guys are led back out. Um, is there anything else you'd like to do? That's it. Um, Let's head back. I'm good. Yeah. Let's go. Several to All beam right. up, Scotty. Ying Matona speaks some arcane words. There is a flash of light, and you guys are transported back to the the cool, comfortable, not stiflingly hot city of Waterdeep. And we'll end it there for the evening. Carlton feels a little bit chilly now. We probably should have <laughs> divvied up those 50 platinum pieces. Uh, Rihanna, well deserved. Well played. Enjoy. Yes. <laughs> Well, you know, she she didn't offer, but you guys got a very cool mask. Um, let me give you guys some experience. Uh, you are going to be splitting this with Rihanna because she was there to help. So for the stuff that you killed, for the fact that you remembered your pants and then turned them into shorts, <laughs> for <laughs> hasting for bacon, for <laughs> all of the natural ones, because fuck it, why not? And for remembering the claw... You guys get a total of 2,300 experience to split between the five of you. And before we go, really quick, uh, once again, thank you to Nassim for joining yes. us. Yeah. Yeah. Super it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you guys again. Where can those who are interested in finding more about you and Venture Maidens find you? Well, you guys can find our podcast on iTunes and really everywhere else that podcasts are free. And uh, we're also, uh, we have a website, theventuremaidens.com, and we have all of our links to all the social medias that we're on, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, that you can follow if you're on there too. Say hi to us. We like to talk to you guys too. Excellent. We highly recommend Venture Maidens. It has been a pleasure to have you on. And next time on Dungeon Drunks, we're back in Waterdeep and one of you can turn into a dinosaur. This is exciting. Thanks for listening to our adventure. Follow us on Twitter at Dungeon Drunks or find us online at www.dungeondrunks.com and see you next encounter. <laughs>